Gracious Heavenly Father, as we open up your word together this morning, we pray that we would have open hearts to hear and to receive and to help our lives be changed, that we would become more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I invite you to please be seated. In 2013, a mom took her son to a zoo in China. They went to the lion exhibit, and while they were there, like in a lot of zoos, there was an informational placard out in front that described this African lion. It told numerous things about the lion, including the various sounds that this African lion could make. But as they're reading it and going through it, the lion began to make a sound that they did not find on this informational placard. The lion began to bark. And it just started barking. It turns out the lion was a Tibetan mastiff. It was a dog. That is why it was barking. This was not a superpower lion that learned how to bark. This was a fake. It was a giant brown dog with a bunch of hair that boofed out like an afro that made it look enough like a lion that it fooled people for numerous times until it started barking. They had sent the original lion off to be breeded somewhere and decided that it was better. There was a particular zoo person there that had this big dog if they just put the dog in there. Sad thing was, apparently, they did this in a few other cages too. (laughs) There were multiple fake animals in various cages for people to go see. They were not the real thing. They were substitutes. Now, a substitute is not always bad, although quite often the substitute is not as good as the real thing. But especially if we are substituting something for God. That is what the Israelites are doing in Jeremiah. If you want to follow along in your pew Bible, we are in Jeremiah chapter 2. You will find that on page 1000. 76, Jeremiah chapter 2, substituting something for God. First thing we will see is that the Israelites lose sight of the goodness of God. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 4, hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says, what fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? I found that question fascinating. God turning to his people and saying, what fault did they find in me? Um, Because it's rare that I would ever think of saying, well, God, you're at fault. 
Um, I find all kinds of other things to blame. In fact, it's more likely that Christians, even when they feel like God should be doing something else, they're more likely to find excuses for why God's okay with all of this, or God is still good, or God is whatever, rather than saying, God, I think you're at fault here. What are you doing? But here's God flipping it around. What fault did you find in me that you would do this? And he's asking the question because we're going to jump back now. Look at verse 2 of the same chapter. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her um, were held guilty, and disaster overtook them. The Lord says, I remember when I pulled you out of Egypt, and I took you through the wilderness, and I cared for you, and I made sure even though this land didn't have crops and everything else, I made sure you were fed, I made sure you had water, you were holy, you were set apart for me. You were like a bride. I cared for you and you reciprocated. And then we're going to jump forward into a speech a little bit. Look at verse 6. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. So God reminds them, I rescued you, I protected you, I brought you into an inheritance, I brought you to this land where there was beautiful produce and all of this amazing, the land flowing with milk and honey. So what fault have you found in me? What is it that you're not getting from me anymore? What are you turning away? And what has happened is two things, time and hardship. It has been a while since all of those things happened. That stuff happened a while ago. God's goodness was seen in their lives a while ago. And now we're in the midst of hardships. Things are going wrong. There are enemies at our borders. Our crops don't always come through. There's difficulties now. What happens when time distances you from God acting in your life? And what happens when the difficult things are going on around you or within your own life? What happens to them? They lose sight of the goodness of God. They focus on what they don't have from him, and they focus on all of the negative, horrible things going on and lose sight of the goodness of God. Can you think of the goodness of God in your life? Can you think of answered prayers? Can you think of knowing God was giving you strength through a circumstance? Can you think of all the promises in salvation, of forgiveness, of new mercy every day, of a hope for a future, no matter what happens in this world. 
There's so much goodness, and yet, what are you going through right now? Does that match up with the goodness? Because it's easy to forget the goodness of God when all of the negative things are in our lives. I don't miss a whole lot about Texas, especially the weather. I mean, coming here, people complained about the weather and stuff here, but let me just tell you, I come from a place where about two months out of the year, there is decent weather. The other 10, it is either wet, cold, and ugly, or it is so hot outside that if you have to go from your front door to your car in the driveway, you need sunscreen. You will get a second-degree burn moving that far. It is why in Texas, we all park in the garage, and we go into the garage, we get in our car, and then we drive from our garage to a parking garage so we can get out and never get out into the sun and melt. But it is also why in Texas, we have the best malls and the best places to eat because it's the only thing to do. Go to the mall and then eat. And what I can tell you is my absolute favorite steakhouse, Papa Brothers, is in Texas. They make a steak that I cannot describe to you because we haven't invented words yet to describe its goodness. It deserves its own worship song. The steak, not the place. And here's the problem. I can find nothing even remotely close to that steak. And I mean no disrespect to all of you people in the Quad Cities. I guess that's me now, too. There is nothing here that is near that steak. And when I think about that, and I think about all the places I've tried, and all the people who have told me, try this place and this place and this place, um, it doesn't exist. And I get a little depressed until I remember a few other things. There are a few trees that are already starting to change color. I don't know if you've seen them. Hey, we didn't have that in Texas. <laughs> like, if they changed colors, they changed and then dropped their leaves like that day and it was over. So there's fall, and it is beautiful, and, and we loved it last season. And apparently, according to a lot of you, last season was a dud. For us, it was miraculous. Can't wait to see what good is. There's fall. There's the fact that when you're here, the sun is not actively trying to murder you like it is in Texas. My children have all found places here. My four-year-old, who is autistic and couldn't speak when we got here, he went to preschool this week. We weren't even sure he was going to be able to talk again. There have been some really amazing, beautiful blessings here. But if all I focus on is the fact that I cannot get that steak... This place stinks, <laughs> and I turn from the Quad Cities. When you forget the goodness of God because of the bad, because of the distance, we may make a bad choice. They do. Here's their choice. Look back into your text. Back in verse 5, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, and I would like to add a word in there. They did not even ask 
They did not even try. Where is the Lord? Now here's the thing. God knows that there's difficulties in their lives. He also knows that he is not doing everything they may want. He's not just present going, yep, everything's going to be good. I'll fix that, fix that, fix that. No, he may be silent right now. They aren't even asking, God, where are you in all of this? Who brought us out of Egypt and led us through a barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Even the religious leaders aren't seeking after God. So when they lost sight of the goodness of God, they turned to something else, idols. So an idol is often an actual physical thing. Typically, it could be a creature. It would represent something in in the natural order. It is the reason that in Deuteronomy, God says, never make an idol of me because you've never seen me and there is nothing in existence that you can see that looks like me. Because idols looked like things that people knew and recognized. And the idol became a conduit. I could go to the idol because, well, my crops aren't working right now. They're not coming up. So I'm going to go to the crop idol, and I'm going to pray to this idol. I can see it. I can control it. And if I just do this, then that crops will come up. And you have all of these idols for all these different things. And here's what they do. They give you a sense of security. They give you a sense of control. I can go to this and these things will happen. Now, we know it's a false security and a false control. And yet, where are you turning? Are you saying, God, where are you? Are you coming to him first or... And before I say this, let me say this. (laughs) Mike just went, huh. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't come out very well. I I have all the excuses in the world. I've been sick. Um, I believe in hard work. I believe in using every means possible that is healthy to use. I believe in medicine. I believe in counseling. I believe in coping mechanisms. I believe in all of this stuff. I think they are valuable. I think God gave them to us and we should use them. But they can become idols when we start seeking after them only. When God is left in the background. When we're no longer really coming to him first and coming through to him throughout what we're doing. Instead, we're relying solely on all of these other things, they become our idols. To illustrate this, I want to tell you about my dog and my cat. Now, normally, my dog would be the hero in the story because cats are inherently evil. I mean, come on. 
what other creature can you pet for five minutes and it's purring and it's loving you and then all of a sudden it decides to bite your hand off for no reason whatsoever? A cat. And what other, what other animal sits at the top of the stairs looking down on everyone else and plotting your doom throughout most of the day? <laughs> a cat. However, in this case, the cat is the good guy. <laughs> So this is what my cat does. Throughout the day, and especially at night, my cat seeks me out, specifically me, and he will follow me around. So at night, when I go to tuck my children in and pray with them, and my children can attest to this, I will walk in the room, I will sit down on a bed, and I'll start talking to one of my kids, and the cat will walk in. Now, the cat will not come and get on the bed. No matter how much Keenan wants to sleep with the cat, the cat will not follow Keenan into the bed. The cat will sit there at a distance, waiting. For what? For me to leave. Because the cat wants me to go to its cat bowl and give it food. It will follow me into the next room and the next room. I will go feed the cat. A little while later, the cat will come back to me again because, well, it's eaten the top layer of that food. It wants new food now. It does this all the time. Thing is, it will do it to other people occasionally. But when Keenan feeds the cat, the cat still comes to me almost immediately because it wants me to feed him. And it wants me to feed him right there. Like if I go feed him somewhere else, even once, we'll feed him right He goes back to the same spot. He knows where he's supposed to go. He knows who is supposed to feed him. And he keeps coming back to that. Now let me tell you about my dog. <laughs> Any of you could feed my dog. Even if you don't know my dog, it wouldn't matter. She'd be happy to take food from you. She will take food from you anywhere. And she will eat her dog food, or she will eat whatever you want to give her. You could give her an old leather shoe, and she'll probably eat that. You could give her food that's been on the garage floor for two days, and she'll happily munch that down. In fact, she searches for it when she finishes her bowl of food. She will eat from anyone, at any point, anywhere. Does she come to me? Yeah, most of the time, sometimes, you know, occasionally. But she's really not very particular. All she wants is to have her belly need met. And she'll do it anyway, from anyone, at any point, with anything, anywhere. <laughs> she doesn't care. My dog has got about a thousand idols. <laughs> do you seek God first? And do you seek him throughout the process? Not at the exclusion of going to the doctor. Not at the exclusion of using a particular coping mechanism. Or not at the exclusion of working hard yourself. I mean, yes, look for answers and do stuff. Don't just sit around and wait for God to fix the problem. But are you seeking him? Because if you're not... You are substituting all of these other things for God. And it will not work out the way God would want it to work out. And it probably will not work out in a way you want it to work out. Because you're leaving out the one who brought all of the goodness into your past, into your future. And if we can get past the bad into our present, the one who loves you, who wants to walk with you. 
Substitutions can be hard. During the pandemic, you might have done this. I did it a number of times. I began to order groceries online and then go to the you know, spot that was labeled park here and it had all the numbers and then you send them a text and they bring your groceries out. But you had to mark whether you would allow for substitutions or not. Because the store, even though online you could order it, they may not actually have it in the store. Well, I allowed them to do it a few times, and then some of the substitutions came through, and I'm like, no, no. Um, But I read some of the best substitutions during the pandemic. There was a family that ordered breaded fish fillets, and the store substituted Ben & Jerry's fishy fishy food ice cream. There was a family that ordered some scouring pads to clean with. Scouring sponge pads. They substituted sponge cake for the pads. (laughs) This one, I don't even know how it happened because most of these, at least there's a word in common. Um, A family wanted whipped cream. They substituted tampons (laughs) for whipped cream. (laughs) Now, every once in a while the substitutions might work out. Apparently, somebody ordered three bottles of $25 whiskey. They didn't have them, so they gave them three bottles of $60 whiskey (laughs) for the $25 price. (laughs) Every once in a while, it works out, but I wouldn't bet on it. We all know, because you've all had to substitute the generic brand for something, and you're like, that just doesn't quite taste right. Something's missing. That's kind of chalky. I don't know. It's kind of fake sounding. Substitutions cannot match for the real thing. Don't let, don't let the problems, the distance at times from the goodness of God, don't let that turn you away from him and substitute him for all of these other and often good things. Let him take the priority. Let him be in the place he deserves to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the goodness in our lives. I pray that everyone here this morning, they would be able to recall how you've been good to them. The ways that you may have led them, allowed them to feel your love or your presence, brought healing into their life, Lord, I pray that we would taste that goodness and that we would not forget it because we all go through difficult times. We all have distance from answered prayer. And it is easy to forget you. It is easy to not ask, where is the Lord? Lord, help us not to do that. Help us to give you the priority to seek you first and to seek you throughout whatever we're going through even as we utilize various tools you've provided for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.